Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Amen. Man, what awesome, awesome worship this morning. You agree? Good stuff. Amen. Thank you. We have such great worship uh, leaders and talented people that we are we're just blessed here today. Hey, if you're new, I'm Pastor Randall. I want to welcome you to Lanier Hills Church. Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you're watching online, worshiping with us, or checking us out in the middle of the week, I want to welcome you and come back and worship with us. Um, next week, we'll be having Christmas Eve services at 9.30 and at 5.30 p.m. And then uh, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, we'll have a service. Is that right? I think something like that. Some, that's too far in advance. I got to get past Christmas, right? Anyway, so we got stuff coming up. Hey, thank you for being here. I am Pastor Randall. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to be in John chapter um, 12. We're going to start in a different verse, and I'll have it on the screen for you, but we're going to end up in John 13, not 12, John 13, in just a few moments. But thank you for being here and worshiping with us. We've got people out today, cold, sick, and sickness. Everybody seems to be getting it going around, but thank you for being here for, at church and if you guys that are home watching, you're, I know we have people in the hospital, people sick. We, we love you guys. We're praying for you guys. So uh, anyway, uh, it's um, the week before Christmas. What do you preach on the week before Christmas? Well, you preach the word, right? In season, out of season, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to continue in John 12, but it fits perfectly with the Christmas season and what, we, what Jesus did for us. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but... Um, I want to first. I want to start with this question: Have you ever had some a moment in your life? Why don't you think back to this? Because I know we have a moment in your life where somebody just served you, gave you, served you, did something for you, and it just it altered your life, right? Maybe they paid off a debt for you. Maybe they served you when you didn't deserve it, they, or they just did it. And I was thinking about that question for myself, and I was thinking, well, I have a hard time just pinpointing one. It's been a lot, but more than that, then it just kind of, then I realized this, that it wasn't always those big moments, but a lot of times it was the smaller unseen moments that made the biggest difference in my life. Like a mom and dad who loved and served, had us in church, who worked hard, gave us a Christmas every year. Mom and dad know, you know, right? That did all of that, made sure we had what we needed and, and just super blessed and to have great parents and serving. Maybe it was just somebody who just served you, brought a meal when you were sick. Um, a couple, over the last couple of years, I've been in and out of the hospital a few times with surgeries and, and every time. I mean, there was one time two years ago where the church took up like, y'all did a thing online and you, and you had meals delivered to our house. We had meals for six months. You spoiled the... You spoiled us. I think we forgot how to cook some of that. <laughs> I mean, you just blessed us. And I think back to moments like that and just felt loved by the church. At one time where um, I had a surgery years, 15 years ago or whatever, and somebody just shows up at the house with a recliner. I didn't have a recliner. Like, you can't sit in that chair. You need a recliner. They come, come in with a recliner. I'm like, who does that? The body of Christ does that, right? And that's what we're going to see today. But, you know, it's, it's amazing. We celebrate... In our culture today, you know what we celebrate? We celebrate popularity, riches, power. We celebrate, I mean, and, and on social media, you celebrate stupidity, right? Pretty much. You just like, you just celebrate, you celebrate crazy things. But as we'll see in the scripture today, that's not, that, that, that we need to reevaluate what we celebrate. 
and really what makes true greatness. If you looked online and social media, you would see greatness as power and beauty and, and entertainment and those things. But we're going to see something different today from the scriptures that turns greatness upside down. And this is what I want you to get if you remember nothing else today. It's this truth principle. It's this, that true greatness is not in being served. It's in serving others. True greatness is not about being served. And I bet a lot of us here, we'd like to have somebody, you'd like to have somebody serve you. It wouldn't be great if you were just like on a cruise your whole life. People fixed it for you, they cleaned for you, they did your laundry, they did all, I mean, all the stuff. Wouldn't that be great? But it sounds fun. But Jesus is going to remind us, and we're going to see today, that true greatness is not about being served, but in serving others. And Christmas is such a great reminder of that. In Philippians 2, and we're going to show, I want to show you the scripture up on the screen. Philippians 2, in verse 2 and 8 through 8, I mean, uh, 5 through 8, it says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's saying, think like this, church. Jesus, Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, who's God, right, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, what did he do? He made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, and the word there is slave, is doulos, slave. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death to a cross. This is what Christmas is about, church. It's about Jesus, who being the very nature God, being worshiped, being praised, having power, having privilege, having all of those things. In the scripture, and that says, he says, made himself nothing. The word literally means, it's kenosis, and it means to empty yourself. He emptied himself, not of his divinity, of his divinity. he is still God, right? But he emptied himself of the privilege of being God and of the power that he had, because then he had to depend on the Holy Spirit. He ended himself uh, of the glory that he had. He has people praising him, of the angels, 24 hours, nonstop for eternity. He left all of that, and guess what he did? He came, took on the nature of a man, and instead of coming as a king with pomp and circumstance and all of that and being born into a castle, what, he came in a manger. Simple manger. Instead of being praised by princesses and queens and all of those, he was praised by shepherds. Took on the, the identity of a servant, of a slave. That's what Christmas is about. That's what we celebrate. That's why Jesus, that's who he is and that's what he came. And so today as we look at this scripture we're about to look at in John we see it just wasn't something he started with. It was his life, his constantly, day in and day out. Jesus took on this servant attitude, this servant heart. And we're going to see it in John chapter 13. Because we've been walking through John. We've been, we're going to come up to John chapter 13. We've seen how Jesus you know, came into the world. We've seen his ministry. And now we're seeing him in his last moments with his disciples. And I'm going to pray. And here's what I want you to ask God to do today. Would you ask God, even if you've never prayed for it, I dare you to pray this. God, would you help me to see you today? Help me to see you as you really are? Would you help me to see you as a servant? And help me to see myself through your eyes. So would you pray with me? Lord, we come. We humble ourselves before you. We understand you are the maker and we are the made. You are the creator. We are the created. 
You are the Lord, we are your servants. You are the teacher, we are the student. Would you teach us today? Would you transform us from the inside out, Lord? Lord, so give us ears to hear your voice. We want to hear your voice today. Cut out the clutter and the noises, and just help us to hear your voice. And Lord, we ask for eyes that can see clearly, see truth, see you, see vision, see what you want for us and how you want us to live. We ask for a mind, Lord, that is able to understand. Would you open our mind as we learned the last few weeks? No one comes to Christ unless you open our hearts and open our eyes. So Lord, would you do that when you open our heart today to be, to experience all you want for us? Would you teach us what it truly means for Jesus to be the servant and how that applies to our life? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to pick up in John chapter 13, the last the Last Supper with Jesus with his disciples. And here's what it says. It says, It was just before the Passover festival, festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter. He said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those (laughs) those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet and their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus being a servant, washing his disciples' feet, setting an example, challenging us, and it calls us today, as we go through this scripture, for us to take a moment and say, okay, what... What do we learn about servanthood? What do we learn about who Jesus is? And, and he says he did this as an example. So what do we need to practice? What do we need to put into our own life? So let's go back through this scripture a little slower. And I'm going to dig some stuff out for you, help you understand it. And then we'll come back and we'll apply it and show you how it matters in your life. So John chapter 13, 1, he says it was just before the Passover. And Jesus knew this. Here's what he knew. The hour 
had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So it's, he's like, the hour, it's time. This is when it's happening. I bet it's all building up to this. Now, what would you do if you knew it was the last hour? <laughs> what would you do? Would you like go kiss everybody, love on them, shit, you know, make amends or whatever? What did Jesus do in the last hour with his disciples? It says he loved them to the end. He served them. And Jesus shows us this, that, that the heart of Jesus, the heart of God is service. And that the best way to love people is to what? Serve them. To serve people, to humble yourself and serve them. And that's what Jesus did. At the end, he says, this is what it's all about. This is what it looks like. This is what love looks like serving. Some of us in our culture today have a weird view of what love is. But when it comes down to it, Jesus models us love is to serve. Lay down yourself and serve others. Despite knowing the betrayal... And the suffering that was coming him, what did he do? He chose to serve. The next thing we see in John 13, verse 2 through 3, it says, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So, this, this, dig into this for a moment. Here's what we have. We have the son of God, the king who became a servant, who comes, and he's at his last moment, and he's, and he's going around, he's washing feet, and he comes to this one guy, <laughs> the betrayer, Judas. And he washes his feet. Let me ask you, what would you do? <laughs> you know this guy, he's going to have something to do with your death. We've all been betrayed. We've been stabbed in the back. We've been hurt by people close to us. And this is one of Jesus' closest friends. He's been with him for three years, walking with him, living with him, all of that. And then he knows he's going to betray him. What would you do with somebody that's so close to you that betrays you? Would you serve them? Would you wash their feet? See, here's what Jesus did. Jesus chose to show his power, not in retribution. You know what he could have done? He could have called down angels and said, I'm going to show you, Judas. <laughs> you know? What could he have done? He could have, like, he could have done anything he wanted to. I mean, if it was me, I might have been tempted to, like, break his foot or something. I don't know. But what did he do? He humbled himself and served him. This is a great reminder to us, church, that we don't just serve the people who treat us well. We don't just serve the people who think like us and act like us, who look like us, who believe like us, who do what we want and who serve us. Jesus set an example that we bless and serve who? Everybody. To be like Jesus is to die, is to, die to yourself and serve even your, and blessing your betrayer. That's tough. That's a tough lesson. John 13, 4 says this. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and so he takes off his robe, right? Takes off his robe, he gets up and, and wrapped a towel around his, bay, his waist. Now, picture with me. So they don't have like dinner tables with chairs and everybody sitting properly. It's low tables, maybe a couple feet off the ground with big, huge uh, um, pillows all around it. And you just kind of reclined, reclined at the table. And your feet were sticking out or, you know, under whatever, and they're sticking out. But it's kind of nasty, right? Your feet are out. And, and what would happen is often when you would go into a house, they would 
wash your feet because no one had closed toe shoes. It was all sandals. So you're walking dirty streets all the time. You come into the house and they're like, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. Some of you still do that, right? Some of you take your shoes off at the door. And then they're like, now they have a servant, a slave who washes your feet. Just so you're not nasty and tracking this all over the house. And so they practically wash your feet. Now this didn't happen at this meal. This meal is some kind of a last minute thing together with the disciples doing the Passover in an upper room in a dimly lit oil lamped lit room and Jesus gets up takes his robe off goes over and grabs a towel the disciples are probably eating and talking and and they Jesus gets up and does this right probably takes this thing and takes off his robe and puts the towel around him they're now that he's got their attention they're like what's Jesus doing he puts that towel on he gets the basin and the water and he goes over to the first disciple And the king of kings gets down on his feet, on his knees, and starts washing. Now, silence around the table. They're all looking and wondering, what is he doing? That's the teacher. That's the Lord. That's the miracle worker, and he's washing feet. You shouldn't be doing that, Jesus. That's for the slaves. That's for the servants. It comes to Peter, right? Well, first, before we get there, what does he do? He models servant leadership for us. He models what love looks like. He models about loving your enemies and serving them. And then he models for us what servant leaders do. They, they model, they serve, and they're not, they're not afraid to get on their knees and do what other people want. They, t- they break down the hierarchy and are just like anyone else. That's what a servant leader does. Then he comes to Peter. And what happens? <clears throat> he gets to Peter and he says, you're going to wash my feet? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to wash you. Unless I wash all of you, you have nothing to do with me. And Peter says, well, not just my feet then. You wash my hands, wash my head. Well, I want a whole shower. And see, Jesus is using this opportunity to teach the world's most important lesson. He's using this lesson, this opportunity to teach that unless you've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, unless you've been washed by Jesus, you have no place in heaven. But here's the deal. It's his humble service that gives him the open door. As he's washing his feet, you know, a lot of times we, he gets the opportunity to speak. A lot of times we think people should listen to me because of my position, because of my power, because of my, my privilege that I have. People should listen. You know when people will listen to you? When you humble yourself and serve them. And a lot of times we, we, we think people should listen to us that don't know Jesus. And let me ask you, when's the last time you served that person and humbled yourself before him? Humbling yourself opens doors for truth to be delivered and so he delivered this truth, and, and Peter is like, oh, watch me, all, all of it. And then Jesus gives us a statement. It's kind of a little side, lock, side note here that you may not understand. And here's what he says. He says, if you've been washed, your whole body's clean. Unless your feet, because your feet are going to get dirty, you're walking around. He's giving this real practical example. He's like, if you've just had a bath and you just went outside, you just need to wash your feet. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Spiritually, it means this. If you've been washed by Jesus, you don't need to get a bath every week. You know what you need? Sometimes you need to wash the mud off your feet you got in the week. You need to come and do some confessing. Get things right, but you don't need to be born again. You're washed in the blood. Wash all of me. And so he uses this opportunity to teach him. 
And here's what it is. Through humility, Jesus uses the moment to teach life's most important lesson. Then in verse 15, look what it says. Jesus says, I have set an example for you that you should do as I have. But he started off with this. He says, you call me teacher and you call me Lord. And he says, rightly so. It's like the first time he said this. He's acknowledged, I am your teacher. I am your Lord. He says, rightly so. And here I am, your teacher and your Lord, and I have just washed somebody's feet. And and here's the lesson. I did this as an example for you, that you should do as I've done for you. Now, does that mean that just like Jesus did you know, with the Lord's Supper, a little later, they, we practiced the Lord's Supper. We practiced baptism. Does that mean we should practice washing feet in church services? Lord, I hope not. <laughs> Here's why. I don't like anybody washing my feet, and I don't really enjoy washing anybody else's feet. Anybody else? But what it was, it was a practical need. Jesus is saying, there was a need and I met it and I saw it. He's saying this, to humble yourself is to be willing to do whatever it needs to be done to meet a need. I, I don't know about this, but there's, we, none of us showed up today in sandals and walked here. We don't need our feet washed, right? But we have other needs. We have other things. We have things going on in our life. We need somebody to step in and, and help. And, we, we, and there's people here who have other needs. And he's saying this, I've set an example for you not to wash feet. I've set an example for you to serve others, to meet a need. So Jesus' example of humble service is intended, listen, it's intended not just for a few, not just the disciples. He's saying this is what it means to follow me. It's to serve. And you're never, listen, you are never more like Jesus than when you're serving. When you're serving, man, that you're right in the groove of who Jesus wants you to be. Now look at this last verse. This is important. Verse 17. He says, now that you know these things, he's like the teacher, he's saying, I've set an example, I've shown you, now I've taught you, now you know these things. You will be blessed if you remember them. So what he says? You'll be met blessed if you teach others. Is that what he says? What does he say, church? It's right there. In the what? The doing. It's the doing. He says, it doesn't matter if you know. And listen, church, we can be so bad about this. We can come and we can learn every Sunday and we can become spiritually obese. We got all this knowledge. We're taking it all in. He says, that is good for nothing unless you do something with it. He's saying this, same with servanthood. You can know about him being a, leaving heaven, becoming a servant and serving. You can know the lesson, but the blessing is in serving. <clears throat> Get this. The blessing is in serving, not being served. Do we get that? Do we really believe that? Because it feels pretty good to be served, doesn't it? It feels pretty good when somebody else does the dishes and you don't have to. <laughs> doesn't it? feels pretty good when somebody else serves or fixes you in the meal. feels pretty good, but you tell, you tell you what feels even better? When you bless somebody else. And not just that. <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. I believe this. But when we align ourselves with Jesus and serve other people, it's amazing how people who serve others just seem to have the hand and favor of God on their life. 
blessings come to those. The blessing is in the doing, in the serving, not just the knowing. So this whole idea of service is so totally contrasts our culture and what we celebrate. Greatness is about how many followers you have. Greatness is about the house size you live in or what you have or your way you look. Greatness is about, you know, like such cultural status and those type things. Jesus says, no. Greatness is in serving. Greater is those who serve, who take on the servanthood of Jesus and the humility of Jesus and serve others. It calls for us to do this, to, to culturally, like mentally shift what we think is greatness and do a different path. This path, Jesus' example calls us to a different path. is a path of this, humbly serving others and without seeking recognition or reward. Humbly serving them. When I was a, a student pastor for many years, I'd take kid, teenagers on trips. One time I took about 75 to Mexico on a mission trip, and, and uh, that was scary enough, taking 75. Taking a few to Mexico on a mission trip can be scary, but every time I took these teenagers on trips, I would take them all over the place in different countries and things, and, and this was my one thing. I would always start it off with this. Here's how we're going to have a great trip. And I said, well, here's what I'd say. I want you to outserve every other person on this bus. And they're like, because oh, they don't think that way. Trying to get teenagers to serve that way, you're right. I want you to outserve every other person on this bus and not get worried about who gets recognition, who gets reward. And here's what happens when, when you get a group of people who, can, who are set on serving other people, it changes the whole dynamic of the crowd. And they would do that, literally out serving. I'd see them, I'm way to go, way to serve. And listen, that's not just true of a bunch of teenagers on the bus, it's true in your house. When everybody there has said, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna serve, I don't care if I get any reward, I don't care what's going on, I'm gonna serve. And when, and you start doing it, it's true at work, it's true in your church. When, imagine a church full of people who everybody there was there to out serve everybody else. And they didn't care if anybody saw it or knew it. Man, what a place to be. I saw some of that this past week. On, Saturday, on Friday evening, my phone started blowing up. I mean, it was in a big group of the worship team. We had multiple people who were scheduled, who had already practiced and all that to be here to lead worship today. Multiple people to serve in the back. And like left and right, they were falling out sick, can't be here, got something going on. <coughs> Have a crisis in their life. And my phone just started blowing up my light within seconds. I can serve here. I'll serve here. I'll come both services. I'll do that. Put me in this position. And then somebody, I think Ron, replied, it is so great to be, such a, be part of such a servant-hearted team. I get it. Man, this servant team over here of worship leaders, the people in the back, I don't think any of them were scheduled to be here and do this this morning, but they all said, sign me up. I'll be there. And no one knows it. The only time you guys recognize them is when something's not working and they get the fingers pointed at them. <laughs> but they're ser you're serving because that's their heart. You know, and you got people serving everywhere behind the scenes in all kinds of different places and you don't recognize them. And I love it when I look at it and I see our church, man, you have a servant heart. But what if we took it up a whole other level and every person just like 
hey, that person's in the hospital. How can I meet a need? I saw it this past week. We had somebody in the hospital Friday. And before I could even call, make a phone call, they're like, we've already got the meals lined up for them. That's what the body looks like. It's easy to wash feet in a service, but when it comes to actually doing something that matters, that's what we're called to do. And here's what we have to do, church, to have that kind of atmosphere in your home, in your relationships, in your marriage. Listen, some of your marriages would be radically changed if you just said, I don't care what they're doing or how, what, how they, what they're saying to me or how they're treating me. I'm going to serve them the way Jesus served me. Things might just radically turn around. And so here's what we have to do. Commit to humbly serving other people. What does that look like this Christmas week? Because it's going to be crazy. It's going to be hectic. There's people going to be coming to your meals or you're going to go into their house. You're going to have all kinds of craziness going on. What does that look like this week? Let me show you four real practical things. Do this. Serve without judging. First one, serve without judging. This is probably the hardest one because there's going to people come to your meals and you're like, why are they here? <laughs> they don't need to be here. <laughs> They didn't bring anything to the potluck. <laughs> and they're eating all the food. <laughs> Somebody who's had a rough year maybe went through a divorce and maybe was the cause of the divorce. Somebody who betray- betrayed. Jesus blessed the betrayer along with the blessers. Can you do that? There are going to be people at your table who don't vote like you, don't think like you. But what do we do? We serve the way Jesus did. We serve them humbly, blessing them, and we might just change a heart in doing it. Serve without judging. Second thing, don't wait to be asked to serve. Jesus didn't sit around and say, man, I wonder if somebody's going to serve them. And he he didn't say, well, nobody asked me. He just saw the need and met it. This week, I want to challenge you. When you see something in your house, you see at work and around you, even with strangers, don't wait until somebody does it. You be the first one there having the humble servant heart of Jesus and humbly serving in whatever it does. Man, I love this. And, And listen, young people, teenagers, I love it when you get this. I love when I come home and my grass has been cut without my boys having to be asked. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, they get it. I love when the, the trash can's already at the curb and no one had to ask anybody. Love it when, I'm sure my wife loves it when I jump in and do the dishes without leaving her, expecting her to do it, right? Because I don't expect her to do it. It's our house. It's our family. And listen, I... As a young man, I didn't get it. But the older and now almost 30 years of marriage, I've gotten this, that if I want to have a happy house, I'd better serve my wife. Anybody else get that lesson? (laughs) Don't wait to be asked. Third, volunteer for unnoticed tasks. Don't just do the ones people recognize. Do the ones that no one sees. 
the ones behind the scenes and what no one even notices. And you just did it when no one was even around. And they might even know, not even know anybody did anything, but you do it. But can I tell you who sees it? Jesus sees it. He recognizes it and he sees it. Listen, church. In 100 years, in 100 years, no one's going to probably remember your name. I was sitting around Christmas, we're having Christmas with my family, side of the family yesterday and having a meal. And my mom started sharing a story about my grandmother. And, and I know my grandmother really, really well. And then she tells us, did you know her real name was blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, what? We didn't know I was her name. My grandmother. And then told a story about my great-grandfather and, you know, this thing. And I had no idea, I didn't know any of this. Listen, in two generations, no one's going to remember you. But Jesus will remember what you did for the least of people. That's how you'll be remembered. When you went and did something unnoticed, you humbled yourself and became like Jesus. He'll see. And he rewards those things. And finally, expect nothing in return when you serve. Just do it. See, true greatness is not in being served, but in serving others. That's true greatness, church. Let's strive for that, to be, to be a servant like Jesus. Willing to do whatever, whenever, for whoever. Because that's what Jesus modeled for us. Would you bow your heads with me and let's just pray. Let's give thanks, first of all. Would you just thank Jesus for taking on the form of a servant, for emptying himself and taking on the form of a servant, for leaving the glory of heaven and coming to earth as a servant. You just thank him. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for leaving your privilege, the glory that you had to come and serve us when none of us deserve it. Thank you. Now, would you ask Jesus to do, to do this? Would you just ask God, would you give me the heart of a humble servant? Help me to serve without judging. Serve without being asked. Serve without being noticed serve when no one sees because that's the way you loved me Father give us let our, our homes be full of people who are want to just out serve the other our church be a place of humble servants who who want to serve because they love you and 
Let our community be impacted by a bunch of believers who are modeling the example that Jesus gave us of service. Now, maybe you're here this morning and, and you feel something in your heart of maybe giving your life to or something in your life, like you've never really been a believer in Jesus, but something today prompted that in you. Let me tell you what that is. It's God's working in your life. It's drawing you to himself. He's opening your eyes and your ears and your heart to him. And maybe today you need to hear that God loves you so much that Jesus left the glory of heaven to come live on this earth, serve people. That's what God, that's the heart of God to become a servant and then go to a cross, die on that cross, a brutal death to take the punishment for your sins. Three days later, he got up out of that grave and he lives again and with power. And he says this, that unless he washes you, you can have nothing to do with him. Now, what does that mean? That means the blood he shed on that cross covers our sin. It's sacrificed for our sins. And if we put our faith and trust in what he did, then we will be washed and cleansed. Have you ever put your faith in him? And all it takes, right there, right here, just saying, Lord, wash me with your blood. Make me clean. And help me to follow you. If you just did that, man, congratulations. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. I want to encourage you to take a song, take that envelope that's in the seats in front of you. Take that envelope, write your name on on the inside. Check the boxes. I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. And then I'll tell you what to do with it and after the service. And, and, and just, we want to help you start this relationship with the God who loves you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for speaking to us today. Make us change us, transform us into humble servants. It's in Jesus' name we pray.